Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels in the DMs. Dearest damsels, friends have said it, dates have ghosted me because of it, and I don't get why. I'm talking about the S-word, being too sensitive. Sometimes jabs hit a little too close to home, and I almost feel like I'm annoying friends and dates when trying to establish boundaries if something rubs me the wrong way. I don't feel witty enough to have quick comebacks to jokes, so how do I work on being too sensitive? Finding someone who matches my level of sensitivity seems bleak. Help! Sincerely, is there something wrong with being sensitive? This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them, yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please, yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alejandro. And today we have the pleasure of talking to Danielle Perez, who is a stand-up comedian, writer, and actor. And oh my God, the gems she gave us today, not only with her dating experiences, her humor, but just, oh my God, she is just a bright ray of light and sunshine. Like I, she blew me away. She, like my wig is still fixed on the wall, like just yeah. stuck. Okay guys, <laughs> like I know that we say this a lot about a lot of our guests, but today's dating horror story was likely the highlight of my month. I mean, just the (laughs) whirlwind that it was taken on. I don't know if she's done like a a comedy act about that yet, but she needs to because it was just like a mind blowing. (laughs) It was wild. It was too intense, but it was just enough for everything that we need. Oh my God, let's get into it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Danielle. This is amazing. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm good. I just did acupuncture, feeling aligned. Very wow. Refreshed. Okay. <laughs> Danielle, for our listeners, please tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you got into using humor to heal. Sure. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. My parents are from the Dominican Republic uh, and immigrated to the U.S. like as kids. So they grew up in New York um, after DR and they met in Boston while they were both in school there. And then they realized, like, I don't have to live in the cold. (laughs) So they moved to L.A. And that's how I came to be in L.A., which is and I felt like truly the only Dominican girl in L.A. (laughs) It's pretty isolating culturally. I was. 30 and my best friend uh was doing like theater like black box acting theater madison shepherd uh she had just come back from like uh studying in london and so she was trying to do theater in la i didn't know what i was doing and her roommate was a stand-up comedian and we just started going to shows and <laughs> 
I was like, he's not funny. <laughs> like by the third uh, show, I was like, he is not funny. <laughs> I'm funny. <laughs> Madison, how do we do stand-up comedy? <laughs> and she's wow. like, okay, we take a class. And I was like, okay. And at the class, I was like, how do you do stand-up comedy? And they're like, you go to open mics. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to an open mic with Madison. Um, I truly thought we were just there to like observe. Um, but then she like signed us up on the list. She's like, I'll go first since you're <laughs> <laughs> she was seven I was eight and I just got in the middle of this cafe on a Saturday on Sunset Boulevard just started talking about my life and people just started laughing and responding and I was like I need this for the rest of my life like wow. truly just fell in love with it and and have not stopped since wow it's amazing to be such a natural at it and then just to like Oh, no, I, I immediately went to it. Like, I was very hot, hyped up. Like, the, the host of the open mic was like, I can't believe this is your first time. We're like, oh, my God, yeah. And then we, like, we're like, we need another one. We need another open mic. So we found another one in downtown L.A. Uh, at the Lexington, for those who know, um, and uh, promptly bombed. Uh, but still wanted <laughs> to do it again. You know, like, <laughs> I was like, no, I need to get back up. I need to redeem myself, you know. I love I'm, that about making mistakes and like failing sometimes where it's like it's through those opportunities that we are able to like really dig in and figure out how to make things better and continue growing. Oh, you have to. I mean, for comedy, like like that's the thing about stand up, like you have to do it in front of an audience. You need the yeah. audience reaction like that is the litmus test, right? Like, uh, you know, you can think it's funny. That's great. But are you making the crowd laugh? Are they on board? Are they engaged? And that is you can only learn by by doing doing and failing and i hate it and it sucks <laughs> i don't like bombing <laughs> and it's like truly so annoying when people are like you learn more from bombing than by succeeding and it's like you you do you you really do <laughs> and what do you think it is about you that makes your comedy resonate with so many people and you talk a little bit about using humor to heal so i'd love for you to dig into that a little bit and just explain you know, what do you think it is about you that makes you such like a warm presence that people want to hear more from and want to be around? Um, I'm like, I don't know. I think honestly, like, I think the fact that on stage I am, I am, you know, honest and I'm sharing like a perspective that people don't normally hear. I think that's honestly like what it is. It's that you know i'm a disabled afro-latina i'm fat i'm queer like i'm talking about my life and maybe that's different from yours but you can find the humor in it you know what i mean like it's that idea like with storytelling writing like all kind of creativity like their specificity is universal you know and so i'm not talking about like vague broad things i'm talking about like my personal nitty gritty life right giving you all the details and i think um i think that's why yeah people resonate and respond to it and you know using humor to heal i think that was like definitely a title that i didn't know when i was answering those questions for <laughs> refinery 29 didn't know that was the title of the piece um <laughs> but uh i I think that I don't know if I use humor to heal per se, but I do believe that stand-up comedy saved my life in that it gave me a purpose, it gave me direction, it gave me a passion, it gave me a focus, you know, something to really work towards 
and um, it gave me like goals, you know, like before that, you know, it was really aimless. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, you know, going out and partying a lot and just kind of not directionless. And now I have a real passion. Now I, I know what I want my future to look like. I have goals that I'm working towards. And, um, and so in that way, stand-up comedy has definitely saved my life. Body positivity, was that a slow journey for you or have you always found like a sense or have you always had um confidence in who you are and how you present yourself yeah no definitely not definitely have not always been confident in my body physically i had eating disorders in high school and in college you know i struggled with like anorexia and bulimia and um you know you look back at pictures now and you're like girl what (laughs) would kill to be that tiny but and that was all before i lost my legs i lost my legs when i was 20 and so then after that you know it's like whoa okay you know i'm struggling now with the fact that i don't have feet and going out and wanting to be normal whatever that means and just be seen like everyone else you know that was definitely a struggle and it continues to be a struggle. It's not like one day you snap your fingers and you're like, I'm over it. I'm fine. But I think a lot of what has helped me with just body, body acceptance, you know, is after my accident, I, I moved back home. I was living in San Francisco when I lost my feet. And um, so I move back home, I'm living with my mom. I'm not really leaving the house unless I'm going to doctor's appointments. So I just felt very isolated. Mm -hmm. And my dad, one day he was like, you know, let's go out to lunch, let's go out and eat. And so I'm out during the day on a weekday at lunchtime, I'm 20 years old in my wheelchair, no feet. And I could just feel just the looks and stares. Like it was like people's eyes were just like burning into me because I could just, I could just feel that energy. I could see them looking at me. And I realized like in that, in that moment, in that experience, like I can't carry this. Like I, this is too much. You know what I mean? Like these looks and stares, this questioning what's going on. And, oh, this is strange. This is weird. Like I can't be responsible for other people and their feelings about me and my body and my presence. I just have to like put blinders on and go through life, you know? I have to just live my life and I can't be concerned about that. And, you know, there's a little denial in there, but I think that that has definitely helped like in terms of like my body acceptance and body positivity, because, you know, with my journey, with uh, my disability, I tried to get prosthetics and it was a very difficult process. I ended up being hospitalized several times with staph infections um, in the process of getting prosthetics. And so I ultimately decided to stop pursuing that. And I just got like very depressed and I, and I started binge eating and I gained a lot of weight. And so, um, just, you know, in that kind of just, this is who I am though. I mean, but this is, you know, when I started performing and doing stand up, I think like a, a thing that was ultimately like helpful was the fact that like I had already been going through life kind of not trying to take in other people's mm-hmm. energy about my physicality. So okay. to be on stage, I was just able to be present. Like the fact that people were looking at me and staring, you know, it's like, well, I'm on stage. Yeah, you are going to. So <laughs> I was able to focus 
focus more on stand up than like, what's that about? And it's so interesting to me hearing you talk about this because as I mentioned at the top of the show, Osh and I heard you on a panel hosted by Women of Color United at Soho Warehouse about fat phobia. And while you were on that panel, you mentioned like, not only was that something that was part of your identity, but also that you were disabled. So when you were breaking into the entertainment industry, it was like two walls that you had to break down. And you talked earlier about how you first noticed that people were staring at you. And then you put yourself in a profession where that's part of the game is that people are going to be staring at you. So how do you think that you adjusted to that, to becoming something that you love and cherish so much? And then also, how do you think that you broke down the barriers and made it so that you've been so successful in the entertainment industry? And you can speak about that more, but you're on Russian Doll, you're on Comedy Central, you know, now people are really seeing you and vibing with it. So I just want to hear about it. I think a lot of it is just, um, you know, no one likes to say it, but a lot of it is luck, truly. I'm very lucky that I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I already, you know, starting comedy, I live in a town in a city that industry is here and people who work in casting and managers and agents and big, you know, A-list touring acts. So early on, you know, doing open mics and doing shows, I was able to be exposed to a lot of people who were already like industry, right? So they got to see me grow and develop. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it too is that when I was younger, I really enjoyed acting and performing like I was a big musical theater kid you know I mm-hmm. was in ballet and tap and jazz and I took voice lessons and I was in the school plays and things like that but and I think also too it's like this um <laughs> weird thing where you know I didn't go to like a performing arts high school or elementary school I was in regular schools but this idea that like well a certain type of woman or girl is the ingenue, right? Blonde hair, blue eyes, skinny, you know, like these kind. it's like we're in high school, like literally we're, we're playing 45 year olds. Like no one's believing any of this. Like, you know, <laughs> but kind of these, like I didn't see myself on TV. Like before I was disabled, you know, I was still, you know, an Afro Latina. Um, I didn't see that, you know, on TV. I think a lot of it was like these ideas of like what these preconceived ideas of what is and isn't allowed in entertainment kind of really reinforced in me like, oh, this is just for fun. Oh, you can do the plays and stuff like that, but you're not really going to be like a theater major or anything like that. You're yeah, you're going to go to school for accounting because you're good at math. That makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Accounting has nothing to do with math. (laughs) Fun thing you learn uh, in your first accounting class. But uh, I, I really just, I, I thought it was for fun. And then to start doing standup and realize like, oh, I'm getting opportunities. It's like, oh, I am enough. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I am, I can do this. This is, this is exciting because standup I think is so powerful because if I was just trying to be an actor, all you have is like a headshot. <laughs> so you're getting a picture of a, a pretty girl in a wheelchair. <laughs> but like you have these preconceived ideas of what that is and what that person can do and what that person's capable of. But with stand up, I'm allowed to tell my story. I'm conducting the train. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm giving you my narrative. 
And so that opens people's eyes about what I can be, where they can see me. It's like, oh my God, she is funny. She is like pretty. She is like, we can put her on TV. We can put her in this comedy. You know, it just, it allows me to be seen as a full person. Mm. So I think that's been kind of the biggest thing is like my comedy, like I can always tell if I'm meeting, so if I have a meeting with someone, if they've seen my standup or not, because the energy is very different. I'm <laughs> 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 not seeing my comedy, so you're like, hi, okay, you know? <laughs> It's like, uh-huh. And it's like, okay, I don't have feet. It's not like I can't hear. Like <laughs> <laughs> With such a busy schedule um, that I'm sure you have, you know, do you have any time for, how is your dating life now? <gasps> oh, dating. Um, you know, definitely. I'm not on the apps. Don't love an app. The app, uh, the app is kind of only really good if you're out of town and very much trying to dial mm -hmm. it. You know, <laughs> you know, in town for tonight is everyone knows what that means. We're all on the same page. Uh, swipe right if you're interested now. But I, yeah, I just, I actually did go out on a date with like a person that like I met organically and it was a fine date, but ultimately not, not the one, not for me. But if you have someone that you want to hook me up with, let me know. That's okay. what I'm doing now. I'm telling other people to set me up because I'm not shy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like I'm very approachable. And if you're intimidated by this, it's never going to work. So, you know, I <laughs> there's only well, so yeah, much a girl can do to put herself out there. Absolutely. I mean, you are a force to be reckoned with. So I, I can I can imagine that some person might be intimidated. But at the same time, why? Why? I don't know. Why, why wait to experience the magic that you bear? <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> How do you think that your dating life has changed from when you were 20 to where you are now? And what do you think that you've learned since then? Wow. Oh my God. I mean, well, you know, before the accident, like I didn't really date a ton. I, I went to Catholic all girls high school. I was definitely like a loser, you know, hung out with no. the theater drama nerds. Oh, I was, trust me. Um, so I didn't date in high school. I like maybe had like a handful of dates with random guys. Like I met at like, you know, a school dance or something like that or Universal City Walk. But <laughs> in San Francisco, you know, I was like going out and like, I was just so young. And so just like everything was new, everything was exciting. I wanted to taste everything, smell everything, see everything, experience everything. So, um, <laughs> it kind of like, you know, it stopped for a little while. I was like healing. And then I, you know, was definitely going out and partying. Like after my accident, oh man, me on prosthetics <laughs> with Oxycontin and drunk, baby, you don't want to see that. <laughs> I was like, you know, in Bambi, when like, it keeps falling on the ice, that was me, a mess, purely oh a mess. But I didn't really date a ton in my 20s. I'd hook up with guys randomly, but I just didn't, I think it was a combination of, you know, guys that age being young and frankly shallow where it's like, you know, she's disabled and sometimes she uses a wheelchair, sometimes she uses prosthetics, what's that about? I think it was also a combination of like me not necessarily being like in a great place to date, you know, just like going out and partying a ton. I started dating more once I moved out of my mom's house and into my own place. I think that was also part of it. It's like, 
you know, someone want to date a girl who still lives at home with her mom? Like, that's weird. Uh, but I, I moved out like when I was 20, 28 and uh, definitely got on the apps, dated a lot of people, dated people I probably should have dated in high school or early 20s. You know, I've, a lot of it felt like catch up. Do you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I'm dating people and I'm kind of settling for things and I'm ac- accepting treatment and behavior that like, I just shouldn't be at this age, you know? So learning lessons. Yeah. Now I'm single and like, yeah, like with that last date I went on, it's like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. It's not for me and that's okay. And I don't have to try to make it work. And I don't have, you know what I mean? Like, I think a younger me would have definitely been like, well, this is fine, but it's like, I don't want fine. I want, you know, I want the sparks. You know what you now you're not ready to waste your time. Yeah, not really. There's just like no point to it. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do. And I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of stuff I got to get done. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) So tell us about because, you know, it's interesting how comedy was kind of a vessel for you to go on to Russian Doll and be in TV. But you said you were acting since you were young. So how does that transition happen where you're going back into being in TV and acting? I assume that like comedy informs a lot of it. But I just think it's so interesting because you mentioned like luck is such a big part of it. And like, of course, I'm sure luck is part of it, but also the fact that you put yourself in positions to be lucky and that you were so talented, right? Because how would you have gotten yourself there to be in those positions to be lucky if it wasn't so well-deserved? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, like, I'm, it's not all luck. Yeah, I mean, you have to have the stuff to back it up. I, you know, I did like acting when I was in high school and, and elementary school and stuff like that. But I, I definitely didn't go to theater school. And when I got the CBS showcase, I was so intimidated. So uh, I was part of the 2020 CBS showcase. And they it culminates, it's a program that's about like three months and it culminates in a week long um, stage production of a live sketch comedy show for like casting directors, agents, manager, industry, all of that. It is an intense process. It's very like SNL type schedule where we are, you know, pitching on Monday, drafts due Tuesday, table reads Wednesday, rewrites Thursday, blocking Friday. And we do that every week for three months to like get the final sketches that we're going to do. And I was so intimidated by everyone else because everyone else was like, you know, real actors and sketch comedians and like, you know, people who have been on Broadway and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm just a stand up. I'm just a stand, you know, and I wish I would have had more confidence in myself early on instead of like, you know, being scared that I was perceived as like the weakest link. I I wish I would have like leaned into just like having more fun and being more confident because like ultimately that was such a learning and growing experience. Like the fact that I was surrounded by talent of that magnitude, it's like I'm able to learn from them at table read. Like what are they doing? How are they landing jokes? How are they moving? It really was like acting boot camp. So at the end, uh, um, when we did the final showcase, um, I felt really prepared to start auditioning um, because it was the beginning of pilot season. You know, it, the pandemic happened. So <laughs> womp, womp, womp. But in the pandemic, I um, have been taking acting classes and that's been really helpful because like doing it on zoom, number one, makes it so accessible. 
because I had started researching acting classes after a showcase because I wanted to maintain, um, you know, just like stay in shape, like with acting, it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. And like pretty much all of the ones that I found were like inaccessible or, the, you know, they're all the way on the west side. I live on the east side. Like that's not going to work. Um, you know, of class at five o'clock, like, <laughs> so being able to do Zoom classes for acting is just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I can be at home and also you can record yourself. You can watch yourself. You are acting like literally you're framed as if you were doing a self tape. So it's just like, oh, this is actually ideal. Yeah. Who have been some influential people that have either shaped your comedy or influenced your comedy? Do you, are there any figures that come to mind? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Margaret Cho. Love Margaret Cho. <laughs> All American Girl. Like, I love that show and her stand up. Like, that was truly like for me, it was like, oh, wow. Like, it's like funny, badass woman, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, she was just so cool. And I, you know, Kathy Griffin, her whole style, her whole oh, style, yeah. like, you know, where it's like, I'm going to tell you a story. Let me give you the tea. You know what I mean? She's just like, let me tell you all the goss. And I just I love that catty kind of insidery energy. Like, I, I love that so much. But like Natasha Leggero, definitely just I love like her persona, her stage persona, because it is it's hard jokes you know but then she's just like very flippant and just like you know i'm i'm that bitch and you know. so i'm currently at columbia to get an mfa in producing and we had a speaker yesterday who was here talking about um i don't know if you've heard of storyline partners but they um basically go into tv writers rooms and they advise on how to make it more inclusive and tell the story more authentically and one thing that the speaker was referencing was about how the Latinx community is still so drastically underrepresented on TV and how it's been really hard, even if a show gets picked up for season one to make it past season two. Do you feel like you see that shifting anytime soon? Do you feel like there's people who are trying to make that happen from your experiences? I mean, I, I don't know, man, like, you know, Gordita Chronicles got canceled. Uh, mm. There was like another one recently that just got, I mean, I'm not an executive producer i'm not a development exec i'm not a network exec and i think that those positions need to include us if we want our shows to make it past a season you know absolutely i think that the people in charge of developing um and in charge of green lighting and making those decisions need to understand that we aren't a monolith that you aren't going to have one latino show to encompass all of us we are made up of so many different countries, so many different, you know, just like cultures, like, you know, a Mexican person born in Mexico versus born in America versus first generation, second generation, third. I mean, these are all, you know, a Mexican who lives in Florida versus a Mexican who lives in Texas. Those are different things. And I think that once those positions are, are helmed by people who understand that, that truly understand that and aren't just cynically green lighting quote unquote latino shows to meet some sort of like quota, quota yeah. or to think that it's some money grab you know i think that like once that shift happens um you know things will change because the talent is there like it's mm -hmm. not a matter of there not being talent it's not a matter of you know um a, an audience being hungry 
we're hungry, we want that, but give us, again, the specific stories, right? Stop trying to trust your talent. I think that's a lot of it is, mm. you know, especially when the people helming something are maybe not of like the culture, don't necessarily understand, you know, the kind of unique ecosystem that you are sharing with the world, right? There might be notes that kind of diminish that, right? Like the reason I love Reservation Dogs is because I've never seen this world before. I don't know this. And not everything has to be over-explained. People are smart, people get it, you know what I mean? Like. I like knowing that there are things in that show that aren't necessarily for me. That makes me want to watch more, listen closer, observe, you know? And so I think that, um, yeah, I know those are, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Thank Ooh. you for um, taking my curveballs, And I have <laughs> one on a lighter note before we get into today's letter, but do you have any dating horror stories that you could tell our listeners before we get into uh. the Oh my God, dating <laughs> horror stories. Okay, so very early into stand-up, I um, had, a, had a show like out in the valley and there was like this old older man on the show. He called himself a humorist. That's how you know he's not funny. <laughs> after the show, I'm outside and he comes up to me and he's talking to me and you know, he's just, he's being a lot. And finally, He's just like, Danielle, you're gorgeous, you're funny, and the fact that you don't have feet really turns me on. What? I uh. freaked out. I really, I was like, I cannot physically run away from this man. I'm using a wheelchair. Like, I'm trapped. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm trapped. And I was just like, ah, I don't know what to do. This is horrible. So I, you know, I, I got, I finally, you know, it was over. Um, <laughs> what did you do? Hey, right. what like, did what happened? Oh my god, he like um he was like, "Can I kiss you?" And I was just like, oh. uh, and it was one of those things like I feel like this man is going to pester me if I don't. So I just like let him, but I like didn't open my mouth. It was just very much like he just like smacked my do you, you know what I mean? I was just like oh my god. <laughs> And then finally he like left and I got home and I like blocked him on everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Did you ever run into him after that? Terrifying. Well, oh my God. Talk about Danielle and her very low self-esteem. So like months go by and I'm like, what's up with that, with that random dude? Because the thing is when people fetishize like um, people with disabilities, specifically like amputations, they're called a devotee. So I was like, what's up with that? fucking weird devotee so i like found him i unblocked him got all these messages and was like fine i'll go on a date with you we met at a bar <laughs> in the middle of the afternoon i'm just like a drinking whiskey and he's next to me telling me how he's like always like fantasized about like everyone he's with not having feet or missing limbs oh yeah, his wife too. Yeah, the wife he's currently married to. Oh and I'm god. like, oh my god. Did you know he was married? Not not until then. And I was like, oh, oh, this is bad. So I'm just like in this booth, in this dark bar in the day. 
Finishing your glass of whiskey. Oh my God. Glasses of whiskey (laughs) while this like guy is like horrifying my mind. And then he starts like fingering me in the booth. And I'm just like, no. And then he's, so he's fingering my booth, but then with the other hand, he's like fondling my residual limb. Like where oh my, my leg ends. Oh and I'm God. just like, this is not sexy. Like, this is not hot. Like, and so like I pretended to come and then I like left and then I truly blocked him on everything. What an absolute loser. <laughs> it was like so bad. It was like a terrible. And at that point, I told my friend about him, it, right? and she like knew who the person was, and was like, "Oh, oh hell no. my!" Like, and then I blew her mind. I mean, I think you blew everybody's mind with that. Damn, that's truly, truly Ooh. terrible, truly bad. No devotees, not in it, not about it. My God, to be fair, we should have known he was horrible from humorist. Yeah, mm. humorist is. It's like, what is that? That's what like that? that's a really. It's that's like saying like it's like thinking you're like the funniest like you could be a stand-up comedian even though you're like the funniest guy at the office like that's <laughs> like yeah. you're not though you're not <laughs> oh my god well let's jump into this letter shall perfect we? time am i right <laughs> yeah right <laughs> all right so we have dearest damsels friends have said it dates have ghosted me because of it and i don't get why i'm talking about the s word being too sensitive Sometimes jabs hit a little too close to home, and I almost feel like I'm annoying friends and dates when trying to establish boundaries if something rubs me the wrong way. I'm trying to recognize triggers to gauge how I respond, but part of me is wondering, maybe I'm going through some growth period? Or maybe I'm just regressing and I'm a complete mess with a dwindling sense of humor. I don't feel witty enough to have quick comebacks to jokes, so how do I work on being too sensitive? Finding someone who matches my level of sensitivity seems bleak. Help! Sincerely, is there something wrong with being sensitive? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Well, as a cancer myself, I do feel like, you know, I can relate to this letter. But I also (laughs) feel like I'm a recovered, overly sensitive person. Because I think that, like, little jabs, like you're kind of referencing and... Um, people saying comments that are like slightly offensive. I think that all used to get to me. But I think the major thing about it is that you really just need to know who you are and set that for yourself and say, this is who I am. And if somebody says something that's off of your perception of who you are, then just take that with a grain of salt. It doesn't have to mean anything. People have all of their own opinions and they don't have to be your opinion of yourself. And I think that your life is going to be a lot easier the less sensitive you are because you know you have a, a long life to live and people are going to continue to make comments to you that may or may not be um, what you want to hear. And you know, I mentioned I'm in this graduate school program right now. I'm meeting a ton of new people every day. And sometimes people say things that you know are not necessarily how I see myself, but this is their first impression of me. And now guess what? It's on me to adjust their impression of me so that they get to see who I really am when you get to know me better. So I think that's kind of just what you need to do. Give people more of a shot if they say something that's offensive. But obviously, if something is so offensive, like the story we just heard from Danielle, then that person doesn't deserve a second chance. But I think that you need to separate a teasing comment from something that is like absurdly offensive. Um, Yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree. Yeah, at first I was like, 
okay, but sensitive to what? You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, okay, you know, it's sensitive about like environment, sensitive about like what people are saying, sensitive, um, you know, like, because like there is actually a thing called HSP, like highly sensitive person. I don't know if it's in the DSM. I think it is in the DSM, Hmm. but it's like an actual, like you can, my, so my friend, Crystal Adams, she had a podcast all about like her HSP because she would cry a lot. Like she would just like, like she was very sensitive to things and would cry a lot. And like, there's, you can like take a test online. um, And I like took it and I'm definitely not an an HSP, (laughs) a highly sensitive person, but um, there are definitely people in my life, <clears throat> my sister, who I believe are, <laughs> and a lot of it just has to do, yeah, I mean, some people are just like more sensitive, you know, it's like, if it's cold in a room or hot in a room, they're just going to be constantly letting you know they are discomforted, you know what I mean? Or if like a something itchy on your clothes, you know what I mean? And it just, it drives them nuts. Or like, if, you know, someone makes an innocuous comment that, you know, you perceive to have like kind of an agenda or meaning that's going to, you know, just burrow in your brain. And, um, you know, I think exactly like what Lauren said, it's like, you have to know who you are in order to know, like, is this like a true thing or is this not worth my time? Right? Like, um, I, when I dated this guy for a little bit and I mean, whoa, talk about toxic, toxic, but it was the kind of thing where after dating him, I kind of realized I was like, oh, wow, I totally see how like really kind of more like confident people or people like you perceive to like um, be secure and be, you know, happy, healthy and whole and have all their stuff can kind of get dragged into these really like toxic relationships because like very immediately after we started dating, he just started calling me things that like I knew I wasn't like selfish, you know, or like mean or like a bad person, like seriously, just and like being like, I'm the only person telling you the truth. Everyone else is lying to you like that. I mean, oh. truly, this person was on a crazy level of like manipulation and stuff like that. But like for a little bit, I was like kind of believing it, you know what I mean? And it was like, scary and I like asked one of my friends I'm like am I these things and she's like no like no like like this is crazy you know um so I think you know like that's like those are obviously things that like that is not a that's a person who means you harm you know what I mean but someone just like making a little joke and yeah and some also sometimes people are passive aggressive and stuff and it's like you know what makes those kinds of people the most mad is when you live your life and do not care Mm -hmm. and remain Mm -hmm. unbothered truly nothing pisses off someone like that more so you know even if they do you know even if someone is throwing a little job and they're they are meaning it in a, in a not nice way it's like live your life know that you're okay know that you're good know that you are not defined by this person and also it's temporary it's passing right like how long do you actually have to like entertain this you know be in a space with this person and and all of that but um yeah I, I want more examples. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, I have an example of. 
No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that it's important to evaluate how does the person make you feel aside from those little comments? Like if they're making a few comments that are offensive to you, but otherwise you feel great around that person, then I think that that is maybe an incident of you being too sensitive. But if there's, you know, you're not feeling great when you leave, you feel bad about yourself, you're questioning it, like Danielle was mentioning being around that person, then that could just be a toxic person. For an example, I have a friend who I would say I feel largely great around. I know she has like some quirks about her, but I accept her with her quirks. And we have like a little running joke argument that is offensive to me, um, where she disagrees with me on a quality about myself that I feel like I see myself one way and she sees myself this way and we don't agree on it. And, you know, I could choose to end the friendship based on this little disagreement, or I could realize that it is such a silly little thing that it is not worth ending an otherwise great friendship over. So I personally decide to look past that little joke thing because I see it as a joke that does not matter. It's just a little thing. If you can look at your situations and say, would I really want to end this relationship or not pursue a relationship or not see the potential with somebody over this little argument that's slightly offensive to me, then decipher one, is it worth bringing up to say, hey, I don't like how this makes me feel? Or is it something that you just need to look in yourself and decide if you need to do like a little regroup on, is this how you see yourself? Is this how the world is seeing yourself? And do those need to blend a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, definitely like, you know, I, I, I try not to, I know like when people um, are sensitive, calling them sensitive doesn't help. <laughs> so I try not to call my sister sensitive, <laughs> but I think like one of the things, like uh, whenever we're kind of like having friction where I, I believe that she is, is being really sensitive, it, it's because she perceives what I'm saying as a judgment. And mm -hmm. I think that you, again, it's that knowing yourself, knowing that like, some like I I usually am not judging her it's just like these are this is the reality of the situation or this is you know like it's not a judgment you know it's just kind of like you you have to free yourself from being worried about what other people think yeah absolutely I love the the commonality of self-acceptance but also having like a really good gauge as far as like whether or not to take something personally or close to heart and just like letting it roll off your back because yeah ain't nobody got time for like walking on eggshells especially if it's just like a friendship um, yeah. and no like, it yeah. just it's i can't there's you know <laughs> we have limited time <laughs> on this yeah. earth right mm -hmm. we have limited hours in a day and i want to be around people who fulfill me um who you know who make me feel good and make me want to do good you know and so to be in situations or with people that don't do that you know it just it's it's pointless and you know i think with sensitivity it's like i think yeah you just like need to look inward and be confident in yourself and know that like you know, you, you are who you are and you're, you have these core qualities. So people saying things uh, uh, to the contrary, it's like you, you can be secure in, in knowing that that's wrong. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it's like with the HSP thing, it's like you're spending so much time assessing or analyzing the words of other people, where it's like if you are truly confident within yourself and are able to, as you both have said, like surround yourself with people that make you feel good and like uplift you, then there there shouldn't be so much worry about being too sensitive because then it's like you already know yourself and if you are too sensitive then say that you know speak up like we can yeah. only advocate for ourselves to to such a degree where like you know people are going to be able to accept that and move on and if yeah. this other writer feels like oh my god I have, do I have too much work to do this then probably yeah. yeah you probably got a little work to do on your own before you try jumping into a dating situation and there's also nothing wrong with being too sensitive either I mean and I want to give a little bit of a caveat to it because I'm thinking about it now. And I think teasing is earned. I think that you have to have a certain level of trust. And I think that's why we as a society admire stand-up comics so much because stand-up comics, you know, get on stage and they're trusting the audience to reveal so much information about them. And I think that's why we resonate so much with them because it's people who are revealing so much information. But when you're in a situation like a first date, I don't think that people have earned your trust enough to tease you yet. Um, and I'm thinking about it in my grad school situation because when people have made like little teasing comments to me, I'm like, yeah, but you don't really know me yet. We've only, you know, met once, but I'm somebody who likes being teased. So for me, like, I think I give off that vibe that it's okay to joke around with me. Um, but just know that I'm going to joke around with you back. Like, you know, you, you got to, if you're going to dish it, then you're going to have to take it. But I think that like, that's the thing. If people are maybe not gauging your sense of humor on the first date, then if they're ghosting you, it probably wouldn't have been compatible anyway. And maybe there is something about you just don't like being teased. And then you maybe need to find somebody who aligns with that a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. With like, that's why I was like, Oh, I, I, really want examples because it's like mm -hmm. dating versus just like a friendship or co-worker situation those are very different kind of situations and so it's like you know I if a date quote-unquote teases me about like my weight or something it's like that's not you know what I mean like that's yeah. like that's a no-no like that's right. like surely cuckoo you know what i mean i think like if anyone does that that like doesn't know you it's like what's that about that's weird and fucked up mm -hmm. but you know uh you know if you're in class right your grad school and someone teases you about like all the color-coded like you know sticky tabs that you have or it's the penmanship like, you know <laughs> i have the right where it's like oh she's you know <laughs> yeah super organized it's like she's gonna she'll have don't worry she has like a calculus and a protractor and all the you know what I mean? she's, yeah. <laughs> she's office depot it's like is that like is that the end of the world you know what i mean it's like ultimately that is a compliment and ultimately it is saying that you are very organized which like you probably are you know like if you are if you're keeping all of your school supplies like that um that neat so it's kind of like what kind of teasing you know yeah. um is yeah. it something um about like you your character is it about something that can be helped is it you know a personality trait like where where is that going but yeah again like yeah if you don't vibe with the humor of the person you're on a date with like yeah that's just that's a that's obviously just a mismatch they're not gonna right. work yeah totally. not everyone's a humorist 
<laughs> well, Danielle, thank you so much. But before we wrap up, I would love for you to share how we can stay updated on all that you're doing and where we can find you, even upcoming shows. Please, please, please tell us. Yes. Um, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Diva Deluxe. No E at the end. Um, I am doing shows uh, in and around Los Angeles and in November I'll be at the New York Comedy Festival. So those dates are pending, but I'll put them all, I put all my dates on my Instagram. So you can come see me, see me in LA. And if you want me to come to your city, uh, reach out, let me know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. You have been a true pleasure. Thank you. I've had the best time chatting with you both. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Do not forget to send us your letters, send us your questions, send us a DM, or even a voicemail if you prefer. And we're waiting to hear from you. We love answering your questions and being able to explore these difficulties that you might be having in your dating life or in life in general. And, uh, and please subscribe and rate us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you may listen to your podcasts. We love hearing from you and it helps us to continue bringing you episodes. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.